get his mic and my mic needs to be in the monitors up on the stage. The purpose of a testimony is to reveal the character of God and how he has moved on the earth so that we can have expectations that he is still the same God doing that today. And the testimony John asked me to give was of a recent event, although there have been many. Hey, you guys, listen to this. Our hey church guys, sponsors this awesome. two different locations, the third Thursday and the fourth Thursday of each month, a food and prayer outreach so the poor may come and take groceries home. And those who want prayer come in for prayer. I did started that about four years ago, going to it to pray for people because I began reading scripture and discovered that church wasn't supposed to be 52 times a year. I listened to the pastor preach, then complain about the coffee or what kind of cups we should have and go home for the week. Church is supposed to be coming to get a relationship with God, listening to the pastor to equip us to go out in the marketplace, represent Jesus with the Holy Spirit power, just like he had to do the same things today that he did then. We are merely going out to pray for people to open the door for the Holy Spirit to work. We don't have that power to heal. I don't have that power to heal. But I've probably seen 100 healings in the last three years. I got news this week of an event that happened last month. It was on a Thursday night. It was the last person who came into the prayer room for the evening. She told us that the next morning she had to go into surgery to have cancer removed from an organ in her body. She had had all the scans and all the blood tests. It was confirmed. We prayed for her for about 20 minutes, and at the end we felt we needed to ask about unforgiveness. Do you have someone in your heart that you're holding an anger, an intense anger for? Because we know from all the people we've prayed for, unforgiveness creates just a negative energy in you that you hold on to and you kill yourself with it. You're not hurting the other person. You hurt yourself. She said yes. She had an absolute hatred for someone. We prayed about it with her. We showed her scripture about unforgiveness. And she finally was able to pray for that person to be able to receive God, which would better everyone. We felt peaceful about it. She had peace. She went into surgery the next day. This Thursday night, she came back. And she explained the following story, that she went into surgery. She was on the table. They knew exactly where the cancer was. And when they opened her up, it wasn't there. (laughs) They kept her on the table for three hours while they went and got various scopes to see if it had gone into another organ or perhaps if the x-rays had gotten the wrong organ. So they scoped her. They ran blood tests. They did visuals while she was open on the table. Where did that doggone cancer go? After three hours, they closed her up, and the surgeon came to her the next morning and explained the situation. The cancer was no longer in her body, and they couldn't explain it. She said, I can explain it. She said, I went and got prayer last night, and I believe Jesus was going to heal me. And the surgeon said, you know, I am a believer, and I'm going to say you had a miracle because all of those tests we did did not lie, but there is no cancer in your Praise God. So I just want to encourage you all, if it can happen to that woman, it can happen to you. Yeah. And that's cancer. That's the one that everyone gets afraid of. But God is bigger than cancer. And I want to appeal to you to have courage to come up for prayer, no matter what your condition is. God loves everybody. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, then you've listened to a lie. And if you feel you can't pray for another person and just say, God, please heal them, then that's a lie. You can. And it's God that does the work. So I would just encourage you to step out with some courage to come forward for prayer. Yeah. And to come to one of these events. And you can just watch us pray and learn how to pray for people because God wants to use your hands. Amen. And I'm going to call the, uh, the, the youth church up here as well because there's no junior Holy Spirit in the kingdom of God. 
the God will use anybody. The Holy Spirit will flow through anybody who is willing. So we're going to call the youth church up. We're going to be down here to pray. Uh, call the prayer teams down. Come on, guys. It's so special to uh, be able to dedicate children to the Lord. This is our way of saying, Lord, we really want to raise this child to know you. And Donovan's a great little guy, four-year-old guy. Look at him. His shoes are even going off and flashing as he walks down here. Come on, guys. Just have a stand right here. We just welcome you to, um, as a part of the gathering place. Uh, I guess you got, you've been ten, uh, coming for about a month now. And uh, so, everybody, this is Tiffany and Chris. We just encourage you to, to grab them after the service and say hi. And look at Donovan, man. Is this a cute little guy? He's waving to everybody. Um, we're just really thankful that we get to do this with you guys today. We just really appreciate blessing you and blessing Donovan. And, you know, as I said, the whole reason that we do this is we're just saying, you're really saying to uh, in front of the church and to us, we want to raise Donovan to know you, Lord. And so that's how we want to pray for, for all of you today. So, guys, if you just join me here, let's just pray over Donovan and the family. Lord, we just bless this young man, this beautiful young man. We pray a blessing on him as he comes to know you in a deeper way day by day, as he comes to just know your love, your special love for him. And we pray blessing over him, Father, and for his family, for his mom, Tiffany. God, we just pray that you continue to just show her your goodness and your love. Continue to bless her and move in her life. And for Chris, her, his father, God, that you just continue to bless him and protect him as, as he protects our country, as he's in the Navy and all that he's doing there. We just speak blessing over this entire household, Father, over this entire family. What did you say? Oh, messing your hair. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mess your hair. I thought, I thought he had something that he was really going to be exciting when I heard what he said, but I was messing his hair. So. Hey, Chris, um, I believe the Lord is talking to you that he's going to pour his blessing through you and that you have the ability to be a great husband and a great father. And when you run into situations where you don't know how to handle it and you're a bit confused, whether it's uh, being a great husband to your wife or a great uh, dad to your son, um, I really believe the Lord is saying that you have everything you need to be a great husband and a great dad. Mm. That's great. That's wonderful. That brings peace. And Tiffany, I just, I believe that that uh, And we've already talked a little bit about this, but I just keep sensing that the Lord's really calling you to be a warrior for Him, a, mm. an intercessor and a warrior, uh, more than an intercessor, a warrior that will 
bring breakthrough into well, other people's lives. Let's reach our hands out and bless them. Let's bless them. That will bring healing family. to other people's lives yes. and deliverance in other people's lives. I believe He's going to use you in a special way there. And it just came, it, it really spoke to me because this guy is a warrior in the natural. He's mm-hmm. a warrior for us in the Navy. And I believe that the Lord's calling you to be a warrior in the spiritual. And this young guy, I just believe the Lord's got some special things yes. for you coming ahead in the days ahead. We just speak blessing over you, Donovan. We break all demonic assignments and release the kingdom of God upon you. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at the Gathering Place Church. If you're visiting, uh, if you do fill out that guest card and turn it in, we have a gift for you in the back. And just great having you here today. So we um, are continuing in the prophetic word that we feel God's given to us this year, and that is to bless. Um, That is, as God blesses you, you become a blessing for all of those around you. The definition of bless is to pass on God's grace and kindness to others. So as heaven is pouring out blessings upon your life, you become a conduit of blessing. When that really clicks in your mind, when the purpose of your life becomes to be a blessing, when that paradigm shift really happens, um, I know from personal experience, I remember when that shift took place and from biblical precedent and from thousands of testimonies I've heard, when your purpose for living changes from being blessed period, to being blessed so that I can be a blessing, you're going to experience a heavenly flow you've never experienced before. Because that's who Jesus is. If you're a person, and really where you are right now, uh, would be at really an adolescent stage, spiritually, where I want to be blessed, and that's really what you're all focused on is me, 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 uh, you will end up being like the Dead Sea. Have you, ever, you know what the Dead Sea is? You know what the Dead Sea is? Alright, here's a picture of the Dead Sea. That, that's that is, how would you like to take a little dip in that? That is an actual photo of the Dead Sea uh, in, the, in the Middle East. And uh, in fact, it is so dense, you can actually float in it. Look at this. They are floating without any effort whatsoever. Because it is so thick and so dense, because, uh, because of the nature of that lake, that you can, it, the buoyancy just keeps you afloat without any effort whatsoever. And there's a tradition when you go to visit the Dead Sea to take the mud, the stinky mud from that lake and bathe in it. I was looking at photographs. There's photos after photos after photos of people going to the Dead Sea. And it's a tradition to cover yourself in the mud from the Dead Sea and then take take a picture. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be that kind of a person where people come around you and they just stink from being close to you? That, that's what will happen if you end up being a me, 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 me person. You end up becoming a dead sea uh, versus the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, which is just north of the Dead Sea, is the, is the primary uh, uh, source of fresh water and fish for Israel. Now, what's the difference between them? Well, look at this map of the Middle East. You see up at the top the Sea of Galilee. You see the 
inlet coming up from the top and it comes down from the mountain, the mountains. And, it, it, and they also have uh, springs, a spring that, that are a source of water for the Sea of Galilee. Then the Sea of Galilee has an outlet. Everybody say outlet. <laughs> the Sea of Galilee has an outlet. So it has an inlet. It has an outlet and it flows down to the Dead Sea and the Dead Sea says. <laughs> Which is great. Listen, I've got a bigger than anybody in this church. You cannot out me. When I go to God, I do not pray tiny prayers. I pray big fat prayers. I don't pray for my daily bread. I pray for the entire bread truck. I don't have, I don't have any shame around that, but here's one of the main reasons. One, I want to be blessed and I have no apologies around that. I hope you don't either. The kingdom of God is not tiny. It's larger than you'll ever be able to ever imagine. Even when we get there, we still will not be able to see the expanse of the kingdom of God. So don't be a tiny Christian, be a big fat one. But listen, once you have your spiritual suckers out, you're sucking on heaven, you better have an outlet. Can I hear an amen? Because you see the Dead Sea, there's the problem there. You all see the problem with that? It stops. That's why it stinks. Jesus wants us to be a fresh water lake that is a resource for others. But do you know, he, he, he actually doesn't even want us to be a lake Christian. Do you know, Jesus did not say, they that believe in me out of your belly or in your belly, there will be a lake of water. It's not what he said, is it? He said, they that believe in me out of their belly, out of their inmost being, out of your spirit, out of your soul will flow what? Rivers, not even river, rivers of living water. He wants us to be rivers Christians. Look at this picture. He wants us to be more like this. That is a picture of a believer who has learned how to connect to heaven without any shame, receiving everything heaven has to offer. And you're looking for ways to pass on God's kindness and grace. This is not just good preaching. This is biblical reality, and it can be your reality if you decide that you are going to be a person that is looking for someone to bless. You remember when Jesus passed out the couple loaves and fish and there were thousands of people to feed? That's a problem. So Jesus lifts it up to heaven and blesses it. So he learned Jesus knew how to receive from heaven. Lifted up these this limitation to heaven and thanked God, and was, there, was a, there was an exchange that took place when he lifted those up. He wasn't hoping, he wasn't begging, he wasn't doubting. He was receiving from heaven. Bam! The fish and the bread multiply, and the disciples, it's flowing through the disciples' hands. Jesus didn't pass it out. He gave it to his disciples, which would be followers of Jesus, and today is the same situation, because heaven is the same. The earth still has need, and you become a blesser, and heaven flows through you, the blessings flow through the disciples. And then, you know, there were 12 disciples and 12 baskets full left over. That's the kingdom model. Can I hear an amen? amen. Jesus says, freely you receive, freely give. So you must have an inlet from heaven and an outlet into the earth. So bottom line is give whenever you get a chance. Give wherever you get a chance. And so in this uh, paradigm, what we want to do over the next few weeks is look at the one another scriptures in the Bible. 
The one another scriptures are the, where you and I become conduits of blessing. It says to forgive one another. What a great testimony that Les gave today. This woman who has cancer. But when they had a word of knowledge, that's a supernatural gift in the book of 1 Corinthians that talks about the nine gifts of the Spirit. A word of knowledge operated where they, I mean, you're praying for someone. You don't know what the blockage is. Sometimes they're a blockage. You pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, nothing happens. So one of the people praying had a word of knowledge. Do you have unforgiveness? She said, yes, him. Not, he wasn't there, but she told him who it was. Because, you know, when you have unforgiveness, the person's like living inside of you, right? You have them in the cage of your heart. You just beat them at night before you go to sleep. You wake up in the morning, you beat them some more. So she knew who it was when they said, do you have unforgiveness towards someone? And all of a sudden their face is going, ha. Ah. So they lead her in forgiveness. Then they pray and the cancer leaves. Hello. Disease and unforgiveness many times are linked. The spiritual reality. The Bible is very clear on that point. So what was my point? Oh, yeah. The one in other scriptures. Forgive one another. Prefer one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. So today I want to hit a one another scripture that I believe is one of the most important one another scriptures in the entire Bible. And that is to encourage one another. Today we are praying for a spirit of courage to be released in this house. Courage is one of the most important things in life. There are few things in life that we need more than encouragement. Why? Because life is hard and sometimes it's really hard. That's why from cover to cover, the Bible talks about encourage one another. Do you know Satan is the discourager? He is always trying to discourage you and I. He will speak words of discouragement. He'll lie to you. He'll create circumstances that are overwhelming. But God wants the courage that comes from the heart of Jesus Christ, who's sitting to the right hand of the throne of God right now, to flow through your heart and for you to flow it into someone else, to encourage them. This is the, one of the flows of heaven. Look at this powerful passage that... that um, speaks about what I'm speaking about. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Look at this flow. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source, the source of all comfort. That word comfort there is the exact same word for encouragement. So I'm doing no dishonesty to the Bible when I exchange the word encouragement for comfort. It's the exact same Greek word. I looked it up. So, I'm going to read it with the word encouragement. God is our merciful Father and the source of all, say it, encouragement. He's the source of all encouragement. He encourages us in all our troubles. Do we serve a great God or what? So that we can encourage others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same encouragement God has given to us. Look at First, uh, first Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage each other and build one another up. Satan, now listen, you've got to believe this. Or you're just going to be like those who don't know uh, the way it works. And that is, you know, like in insurance companies, they say, we do not cover acts of God. They really should take God's name out of there and put in whose name? 
Satan. We don't cover acts of Satan. Come on. He doesn't get much credit for bringing Dr. Destruction, does he? When you, when, we, when you don't believe that the enemy, Satan, knows you, knows your name, knows your age, knows where you live, knows your weaknesses, knows your strengths, knows your calling, you're going to be, you're, you're going to have a very difficult time uh, being a victor in this life. But when you recognize him, then you will take it much more seriously when you are under attack or in a situation that, that is overwhelming, you can say, wait a minute. I think there's a spiritual dynamic here. And all of hell goes, duh. Heaven says, duh. And you can stand up with the armor of God and begin to come against discouragement as a spiritual force. Satan is constantly trying to discourage because what's he do? He tears you down. What does this scripture say we are to do for one another? Therefore, encourage each other and say it out loud. Build one another up. Satan is always trying to tear people down. Jesus is always trying to build them up. So let me say something very blunt to every one of us today. Every time you and I, with our tongues, with our actions, with our behavior, tear somebody down, you have just joined Satan and his agenda. Every time you and I are working to build someone up, we just linked arms with Jesus Christ. I want to be part of a church that is building one another up. Don't you? I want to know when I, hey, if I go down to the gathering place church, I am going to be encouraged. It needs to be a place of encouragement. Not that it's not, but I want it to go to a whole nother level. This is not a word of correction today. It's a word of inspiration, a word of going higher. Look at the Bible says in Hebrews chapter three on this. My friends, watch out. Don't let evil thoughts or doubts make any of you turn from trusting the living God. That's a real temptation, isn't it? To lack trust in a situation. You must say it out loud. Encourage one another daily. I need daily encouragement. I mean, I'm not saying that just because I'm preaching. I need encouragement all the time. Listen. If you're living for something really puny, you probably don't need much encouragement. If you're living for something below your capacity and your calling, you might not need much encouragement. It doesn't take much encouragement to decide what you're going to watch next, right? Kind of sit on the couch and, well, I need somebody to encourage me on what show I should watch. Right? Well, if you're, if you're doing nothing, you don't really need encouragement. But if you're living for something greater than yourself... Let me say this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need encouragement because that's already beyond yourself. If you go to school, you're in the workplace. You have relatives that do not believe in your precious Jesus. And you're in that environment. You need encouragement. Because it is not easy to be in an environment where Jesus is not popular. You need to be encouraged daily so that you do not draw back. Now, I don't, you might think needing encouragement is a weakness. I call it humanness. And once you come to the place where you realize this is a critical issue, I need to be encouraged and I need to be an encourager, you now have just joined heaven's team. When you are discouraged, you are separated from courage. And you begin to disconnect. When you are discouraged, you begin to disconnect from God 
from your destiny, your goals, and others. The great testimony of an Olympian. She was in the Winter Olympics this last this this year. She had gotten into an accident. She had never medaled before in the Olympics. She had gotten into an accident. She was uh, doing those uh, in a sled going down the ice chutes, and uh, one of the ice chutes actually ran into her, and it shattered her leg in multiple places. And so she ended up uh, obviously not being an Olympian any longer. And she got married. She had children. She really fell into discouragement because her dream had been shattered. And though she loved being a husband, loved being a mother, her husband could just see she's not the same. And so as a mother and a wife, he encouraged her to get back in the game. She said, what? He said, I want you to go back and be an Olympian. You can do it. She's like, what? My leg has been shattered. I'm a mom and a wife now. I I can't be doing this. And he encouraged her and talked her into it. And she won the silver medal this year. (laughs) How awesome is that? But she couldn't do it herself. She needed an encourager. Someone to inject courage into her. This is why coaches and teachers and parents and spouses and mentors are so important. Athletes always have a mentor with them. They hire coaches because they need to be uh, told they can do it. Because when you're in the fray and you're in the inside looking out, the pressure, the exhaustion, you've been pushed beyond yourself. This is why boxers, I mean, these are world-class athletes that are can-do kind of people, and yet they know, I need to hire an encourager. Why? Man, when a boxer is out there in the ring and he comes uh, and sits down in the chair and if he's losing and his face is bleeding, he's beyond himself, he's exhausted, he's outskilled, his mind's caving in on him. What's the person called? That's his coach. The person in your corner. Who's in your corner. And that trainer in your corner is speaking. You can do this. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can beat this person. You can do it. I don't know if Jesus would be coaching us in that way, but if it's in a boxing ring, in a sports analogy, you have somebody in your corner speaking words into your ear that's changing the way you're thinking. That's all the difference is. It's amazing to me how you can have a sports team, a football team, losing a game. A basketball team losing a game dramatically. They go into halftime... And they come out a different team. It is amazing to me. All the skill sets the same. The arena is the same. It's the same team that they're playing. And yet they come back and the whole thing flips around. I've thought so many times, I wish I could be a fly on the wall to listen to what the coach is saying. Because that's all it is, is words. That's all they're doing is speaking into the psyche and the mentality of the people and their internal posture and their belief system. And he says things or she says things that changes the way they're thinking and they come out a different team. That's amazing to me. The power of words. You know, there's a study done by a psychologist who is uh, one of the most uh, renowned psychologists in the 20th century. And I'll find the right notes and I'll give you his name. That's for my meeting after church. 
is Dr. Henry H. Goddard. And he studied the energy level on children. This is very interesting. He studied the energy level on children. He used an instrument called an ergograph. He found that when tired children are given a word of praise or encouragement, their ergograph shows an immediate upward surge in new energy. Isn't that interesting? When the children are criticized or discouraged, the ergograph shows the physical energy takes a sudden nosedive. When we are praised, our energy level goes up. When we are criticized, our energy level goes down. I've noticed this with my own children. When I praise my children or uh, I encourage them in a certain way, I see their energy level immediately go up and they start dancing on one, you know, the, the younger ones. You know, the older ones are too cool. But on the inside, I know positive things are happening. You just can't see it. But in the younger ones, I can notice even their body posture. I've noticed, especially with Sam, because he's not cool enough to hide his emotions, right? Uh, so with Sam, I mean, I'll be talking to him and you can see like even this morning, I say, Sam, were you banging on your floor again this morning while he's up in his room? Everybody's sleeping. I'm downstairs praying and he comes walking down and says, Sam, were you banging on the floor again this morning? And he went, I mean, his shoulders just dropped. His whole body posture said, I'm discouraged now. You just discouraged me. And then hope said something like, but Sam, you did really good at school. I mean, she threw a compliment at him. It's kind of like, like went around me and encouraged him. And his shoulders went right back up. It was an amazing, amazing example of the words of discouragement versus encouragement. I talked to her later about that, but. <laughs> the word encourage to encourage means to urge forward. Everybody say to urge forward. I want to I want to pray for a spirit of encouragement, a spirit of courage to be released in this house today. I was praying for you this morning. And as I was in prayer, I saw two things. One, a spirit of courage being released in the house today. Secondly, I saw something specific that some marriages are really in trouble. Some of you are on the brink of divorce. I don't know who you are. I just feel like I got this in prayer. And I believe the Lord wants uh, to encourage you today to release courage into your marriage You can make it. Your marriage can make it. Jesus is on your side. Just have to humble your heart a little bit. Maybe operate in that forgiveness piece. And this is what I believe the Lord showed me today. That you're going to be be restored to your first love. Like when you first met each other. I want to pray before we move forward today. I just want to. I don't want to miss this. Now I'm going to wait for a moment. We're going to pray that in, but I'm going to wait for a moment. God is such an encourager. Look at this passage. This is one of my favorite passages. Ben Messer and I were talking about this last week. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, or the way we would interpret it with our religious minds is, when he falls, God says, You idiot. Now, isn't that where our religious minds go? Right? The shaming voices that say, you fell again. I mean, could you imagine, you know, your child just beginning to walk? By the way, congratulations, Emily. 
You did it. He's in the house. Oh my gosh, how wonderful. Now, when he's old enough to begin walking, that's what I said. When she's, a, well, that is a real faux pas for a pastor. That was bad. You need to exercise the forgiveness piece we were talking about a few minutes ago. As she is taking her first walk and she coming to mama and she falls, are you going to stand over and just start speaking words of shame? I cannot believe you fell. Really? Right. But that's the way we think God does to us when we fall. And yet, what, what does this scripture say? This scripture says, and I, uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. How beautiful of a picture is that? Every time you fall, God is the one that holds you up with his hand. You know, Jesus was such a phenomenal encourager. Peter needed encouragement. He flat out denied even knowing Jesus in Jesus' darkest hour. And yet when Jesus saw Peter again, he encouraged him. He said, come on, Peter. He urged him forward. He says, you're going to be a great apostle. Peter was a fisherman. He denies Jesus Christ in front of everybody. A complete spiritual failure. And the whole church saw it. Everybody knows Peter is a failure. Cursing. They don't even know him. Jesus, the encourager, when he sees Peter again, he says, come on, Peter, I've got a destiny to fulfill with you. Peter's like, really? And then Peter turns around and says, yeah, what about him? And Jesus says, would you pay attention? <laughs> he, gets he gets rebuked again. But Jesus never gave up on him. Paul needed encouragement. When everybody forsook Paul, he said, Jesus stood with me and he encouraged me. John needed encouragement. He's an exile on the island of Patmos just because he's a Christian. They put him into an, out to an island to die. Jesus shows up to him and encourages him, shows him the future and says, write this down. It's the book of Revelation. And that book encourages the whole body of Christ even to this day. You can't give up. Jesus is your encourager. Jesus needed encouragement. Jesus, the Son of God. If you're one of those today saying, no, oh, I don't need this message. Are you better, more powerful than the Son of God himself? No. Jesus Christ himself needed encouragement. He wanted to quit. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Even ask God, can I go around, under, over? Is there another way? Do I have to stay in this marriage? Do I have to stay in this job? Do I have to stay in this church? Do I have to stay in this situation? Paul did the same thing, asking God, please remove this situation. And God said, no. Paul said, please. He said, no. Please, no. And finally, God said, my grace is sufficient. Through your weakness, I'll show my strength. And Paul made it through that situation. An angel of the Lord came to Jesus and encouraged him imparted strength into Jesus, the Son of God. And Jesus then had the courage to go through the cross. The same courage is available to you today because the same Spirit is given to you as a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, look at this passage. Jesus says this in John 14, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another, that word helper, comforter, the exact same word, encourager. 
Isn't that interesting? Jesus says, I'm leaving the earth, but I am going to give you an encourager. How incredible is that? And I'm going to put him inside of you so you can't quit. I'm going to encourage you and encourage you and encourage you and encourage you. You can't get away from the encourager. He lives inside of you. It's a trick. You give your life to Jesus Christ, whoop, inside. In goes an encourager, the encourager, God himself. How many of you have ever been so discouraged you're ready to quit? And all of a sudden from the inside, this inspiration comes. Raise your hands. You know what? Uh, I can't tell you how many times the Lord, how many times I've wanted to quit. This kind of ties into last week's message a little bit. How many times I've wanted to quit, decided I'm going to quit. I'm done in multiple areas of my life. And then all of a sudden I get inspired. And after a while I figured it out. And I'm just saying, would you stop that? I want to quit. And he goes, oh, I have faith. We can do this. Like, Darn it. Stop that. I'm serious. He is the encourager. Look, he put the encourager inside of you. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another encourager that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And one of the primary ways I'm going to draw this to a, a closer in the next few minutes. One of the primary ways you've got to grab a hold of this. One of the primary ways God encourages you is through the words spoken to you by those around you. Words are containers. Words are containers. They carry the power of life and death. Jesus said that the words that I speak to you are spirit. And they are life. Did you know Jesus said that? Jesus said the words that I'm speaking are spirit. They're spiritual. God created the worlds with words. And then he created us in his image. And he said, in your mouth is the power of life and death. That's why Satan wants to get a hold of our tongues and cut people down. Because when you do that, you actually are cutting them. You really are speaking into their psyche, into their emotions, into their very being, and breaking them down. I mean, there was a, some of you have sent me, when I taught on this at the turn of the year, some of you sent me some uh, report about Dr. Emoto, the Japanese researcher, about how he did some research on how words actually change water crystals and words change rice. I've researched his research and found the scientific community has not validated it yet because he didn't do double-blind studies and certain things. So I can't bring that out as an authoritative example of the power of words. But I can bring up Jesus who spoke to a tree and the next day it was dead. And we don't need Dr. Emoto. We've got Dr. Jesus. Jesus spoke to a, a, a dead child in the middle of a funeral service and said, arise. And the coffin opens up and the boy is given back to his mom. He stood outside of a tomb where a dead man was inside Lazarus. And he said with words, Lazarus, arise. And Lazarus comes back from the dead. Jesus is, has, a, has a guy come to him and say, my servant is ill. Please come and pray for him. Uh, please pray for him. Jesus said, I'll come to the house and lay hands on him. He said, no, just speak a word. And Jesus said, wow, you get it. Jesus 
prayed for somebody that wasn't even in the same vicinity and his word healed that person. You said, well, that was Jesus. Well, Peter did the same thing. In fact, when Jesus cursed the tree and the disciples, the followers of Jesus said, wow, can't believe that. Jesus said, you can do it too. In fact, you can move mountains. You say, well, that was metaphorical. Well, you should have told that to Peter because when he was standing in front of a little girl who was dead in the book of Acts, he said, Tabitha, arise. Didn't lay hands on her, didn't touch her, spoke words, and she came back to life. The chapter before, a man who was 18 years, a paralytic, and Peter said, arise. This man's legs were healed and he was he, he uh, was completely delivered from paralysis through the power of words. Words carry the power of death and life. That's why Satan wants your tongue. Look at the Bible says about this. In the book of Ephesians, chapter four, let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. But only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion. Now watch this. This is so important. That it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor to those who hear it. That's not just nice poetry. It's not talking about, look, just say encouraging words to make people feel better. He is talking about a spiritual principle here that involves the power of life and death. He is saying that when you speak words of life to someone, it actually imparts God's favor into that person. You actually inject strength into them. Look what the word impart actually means. To impart here or to give grace means to encourage those with two tunics to give one to somebody who has none. To urge workers to labor with industry and to give to him who has need. So in other words, what that scripture is saying is this. Let's say that today I am blanketed with courage. I just, today I have a tremendous amount of faith and belief and represented by this cloak of courage here. And I run into somebody who's discouraged. They've been disconnected from courage. Yeah, I'm coming after you, Bruce. They've been disconnected. I saw, I saw, oh God, I saw him look at me. Yes. Disconnected from courage. So being disconnected from God, their goals, their destiny, even others. You just, your hands hang low. There's no hope for me. There's no future for me. And the Bible says that you as a follower of Jesus Christ have God's encourage on the inside of you. This person just can't quite get a hold of that. You know, David, what it says, he encouraged himself in the Lord. Do you know, we love that passage where David encouraged himself in the Lord, but you know, that was rare. Do you know so many times David was encouraged by others? The man after God's own heart. One of them was Jonathan. David, at one point in his life, he was anointed to be the next king of Israel, but the current king of Israel is trying to pin him to the wall with a spear. Blasphemes. Uh, character defamation all over Israel. Saul, who's jealous of David, begins to begin to talk smack about him. He's a murderer. He's a deceiver. He can't be trusted. He's disloyal. And David is saying to Jonathan, what have I ever done to your dad? And David was so discouraged. There was no hope. There was no evidence he would ever fulfill his destiny. And do you know what the king's son, the king's son, who is the, who is the heir apparent to the throne, recognizes the anointing on David to be the next king. I mean, you never know where your encouragement's going to come from. 
God will encourage you through sources you absolutely don't expect. This was from the king's son who should be trying to kill David so David can't take his throne. And the king's son, it literally says he took off his robe and he put it on David and said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. You can do this. You are going to make it. And let me tell you something. When you're the next king of Israel, you better remember this and take care of me and my sons. And it says they made a covenant. Talk. You think David walked away from that meeting encouraged? Jonathan injected courage into a discourse. Don't, don't take the courage off. No, that's part of the problem. We just found part of the problem. You keep taking it off. You have to wear that all day. You're a smart man. You get it. We have to encourage one another. David was encouraged by Jonathan. He injected strength into him. You think about the spies coming back. The power of words, man. The spies coming back from seeing God's destiny for them. God's destiny for Israel was the land of Canaan, that territory. They go and look at it. Twelve spies come back. Ten spies speak words of doubt and unbelief and fear and it injects into three million people. And they're like, oh! and Joshua and Caleb jump and say, hey, stop that. You like that? And they start speaking words of encouragement, but damage had been done. Through the power of words, it was called an evil report. It was true that there were giants, but the evil report was we can't. Joshua and Caleb, understanding the power of words, said, stop. Hitler raised up an evil army. Hitler raised up an entire generation with words. He dropped pamphlets from airplanes all over Germany with words. His speeches were words and it inspired an entire generation, and they almost took over the world, except for the words of one other man, Winston Churchill, who when England is being bombed and destroyed by Germany, when there was no hope, Winston Churchill got on the radio and spoke words into the soul of the people, and they rose up from the power of those words. Courage was injected into a hopeless people. And Hitler was defeated. I want to say, if you have an encourage in your life, you will succeed. Here's what the Bible says about words. Words separate the best of friends. Brings destruction. Words destroy people. Stir up anger. Break the spirit of a person and bring death. Those are all scriptures talking about the power of words. Or, the same Bible says words turn away wrath, produce joy, bring deliverance to you and others. Provide safety, release favor, produce rest, refresh the soul, promote health, and bring life. I want to read one last testimony and then we're going to pray. Release courage in the house today. We're going to lay hands on the person next to you and pray for the spirit of courage to flow into them today. Some of you are really hanging on by a thread today, and today is going to be a turning point for you. 
Courage is going to be injected into you. And then you're going to become an encourager. I pray this house would be known as a house of encouragement. I pray your home would be known as a home of encouragement. And it all begins with you. Listen to this last testimony. Many years ago, a young Midwestern lawyer suffered from such deep depression that his friends thought it best to keep all knives and razors out of his reach. He questioned his life's calling. And and the prudence of even attempting to follow it through. During this time, he wrote, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall either be ever be better, I cannot tell. I awfully forebode, but I shall not. That's pretty depressed, isn't it? But Abraham Lincoln received encouragement, the encouragement he needed, and the achievements of his life thoroughly vindicated his bout with discouragement. The night Abraham Lincoln was assassinated at Ford's Theater, he was carrying these items. Two pairs of glasses, a small velvet eyeglass cleaner, an ivory pocket knife, a large handkerchief with A. Lincoln stitched in red, a tiny pencil, a brass sleeve button, a fancy watch, fob, whatever that is, and a brown wallet with a Confederate $5 bill. But Lincoln also carried eight newspaper clippings that he had cut out and saved. All of those clippings praised him. Everybody needs encouragement. We stand on your feet today. Satan is on the war path to discourage and disconnect, dismantle and destroy. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be on a mission with Jesus Christ to speak words of encouragement that impart strength into our brothers and sisters. We need to be partnering with Jesus to be encouragers. I want to challenge you, church, today for you to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm no longer going to be a criticizer and a discourager from this day forward. Part of my mission in life is to be an encourager. Anybody that comes around me is going to get encouraged because that's my mode of operation. Now, when you do that, the encourager in you is going to rise up and give you things to say that inject courage into those around you. Do you believe what I've said today? Do you believe this? It is so true. I'm going I'm to tell you how. One line can lift a burden off somebody like that. I was driving down to Mexico with a, 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 a friend and he was telling everybody in the car about his dad and how great his dad was and his dad accomplished this and his dad accomplished that and I've got to fill the shoes of my dad and I've got to accomplish what my dad did and I could just feel the anxiety in him and the, the, the need to prove himself and to, and to live up to his dad's standards and everybody in the car was listening and he went on and on and on and on. And in that moment, I could detect the anxiety and the anguish in this undue burden that he was living under. And so here's, here's how it works. So I'm sitting in the front seat of the passenger seat and I said, Holy Spirit, give me something to say to him. And he gave it to me. And I wrote it down on a piece of paper, this little scratch piece of paper. 
And we got back to the hotel room and I handed it to him. When he went to his room, I went to mine. I handed him the note. He took that note and he was preaching the next day to the youth at this convention. And the message I wrote on that note was the message he gave to that entire convention. It was that strong for him. It was simple for me. For him, it was life-changing. It was simply, the only shoes you need to fill are yours. <laughs> it's just lifted this yoke off of him that Jesus never put on him. It was just by the power of one phrase spoken at the right time. But it didn't come from me. That was from the Holy Spirit. You just have to be a conduit. Okay, so I'm going to ask you in this house this morning, if you need encouragement, courage to be injected into you, would you raise your hand right where you are to say this was for me? But half the church, look at that. Okay. <laughs> One person's raising their hand, the other person's like this. And so the person raised their hand, this is the way they encourage their friend. <clears throat> and the friend went like this. <laughs> encouragement comes in all different ways raise your hand if you're that person and just come on be bold raise it up high say today's the day I need encouragement now if your hand's raised somebody next to you so you see somebody with your hand raised put your hand on their shoulder come on let's impart courage today you can do it with words you can do it by an impartation of the spirit of encouragement flowing through you And I'm going to pray and release the spirit of encouragement in this house today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come against the spirit of discouragement. We come against the spirit of discouragement right now. We break its power in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We pray now for a spirit of courage to be released in this place. Courage in your soul and your strength and your mind and your psyche and your spirit. We pray against the lies that are dismantling your courage. And we pray now for the encourager to rise up inside of you and speak words of encouragement to your mind. You can do it. Just continue to pray. Just lay hands for a moment. Come against anything that, you, that come, rises up in you and then speak what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now to that person. Just... Listen to the Holy Spirit and then speak words of encouragement. Okay, now, I'm going to ask you to turn and just uh, look at me again as we, as we... Some of you had a spirit of oppression on you that just got broken off. The Bible says the spirit of praise is for discouragement. You need to begin to praise Him no matter what. I had a word just a second ago and it slipped me. Some of you, now forgive me, I know the time's late, but I just keep getting things from the Holy Spirit. This has really struck a chord with some. This is so important. Some of you feel like you are all alone. You never are all alone. The Bible said that I will give you the encourager who will be with you forever. 
You are never alone once you give your life to Jesus Christ because He puts His Spirit, the encourager, in you and He will be with you forever. Listen to Him. Don't listen to the enemy. Listen to Him. Don't listen to the negative voices around you. Listen to Him. He's encouraging you. All right, I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down front here because I really believe this is a watershed moment for some of you. Prayer teams, just slip out from where you are and come down front here. Yes, Les. Yeah, yeah. Grab the microphone. And I, I've, I've uh, used up all of our air time, so you've got to be quick. I just want to say, in my life, I was not an encourager. I was a type A personality who had no time for people. About four years ago, I realized this message that I will see lives changed if I encourage. But the Bible says, I will eat the fruit of every discouragement I plant in you. Every criticism in my children that I plant, I will eat eventually the fruit of what I planted. That's a biblical concept. I began asking every time I had an encounter with people, did I leave that conversation planting good fruit that will help their life? Or did I just plant something negative that I'm going to eventually eat? And that visualization helped me to begin changing how I spoke into people. Just always trying to be conversationally encouraging to people, even if it was kind of a, a negative thing, to lead them into something encouraging. Not point out the negative, but lead them into something encouraging. That visualization of the seeds pouring out of my mouth helped me to become an encourager over the last couple of years. And God really changed my heart for that. But I had to also realize I eat what I plant. And I no longer want to eat the fruit of a negative relationship. So I pray that our mouths would line up with heaven and that we would speak words of life and encouragement. We would cover faults and sins with love and that we would become the greatest encouragers anybody has ever run into. Always speaking words of life and truth. That doesn't mean you don't challenge when somebody's off track. That's part of encouragement. True. You're acting like an idiot. Get back on your destiny. That's a word of encouragement. Hey, it's better than the word of encouragement I heard Bobby Knight give to the Shockers yesterday. The Shockers are a basketball team. They're undefeated. They've, they've never been on the radar of college basketball. Bobby Knight, one of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball, he's flown in to meet with the Shockers. I watched his interview with them. He's standing there with them. The word ready to all the young, the, these guys are undefeated. They've never been undefeated. I mean, who are the Shockers, right? The Wichita Shockers. They're standing there on the court. And Bobby Knight, this old man, one of the greatest coaches ever, he looks up at him and he says, I've never been much of a positive thinker. I usually expect the worst and prepare for it. I've come a long way to watch you play. Don't screw it up. <laughs> that was it. That's what he said to him. Okay, you can do better than that, right? All right, Father, we thank you so much that you are the encourager. When we fall, you lift us up. We pray that we would be your people, the little encouragers running around the planet, undoing Satan's works of discouragement and speaking words of life into one another in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shouted, Amen! If you need prayer for this, specifically, come down. Don't go that way. Come this way. And come get more prayer. This could be your watershed moment.